I did not personally see a bear on this trip, but uh, many other people did. And that's pretty cool to see. Did you see Nemo? We, <laughs> I did not find Nemo this time. Yeah, it's oh. still on my to-do list. Yeah. Oh. DCL Duo fans, we want to take a minute to thank our amazing sponsors over at Touring Plans Travel. We use Touring Plans Travel to book our own fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacations and love the experience and service we get from our travel specialist at Touring Plans Travel and know you will too. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation, Disney vacation, or really any cruise or land-based vacation, head over to touringplans.com travel for a free quote. Let them know that the DCL Duo sent you to help support our show, but we're confident that you are going to have the same great experience that we do when we use Touring Plans Travel. So thanks Touring Plans Travel for sponsoring the show and now on to our episode. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast. And this week, we are excited to welcome back a, a prolific cruiser, a Disney Cruise Line lover, a cruising travel blogger, and the founder of PopularCruising.com. We want to welcome Jason Leppert back to our show. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Great to be back. Yeah, we are excited to catch up with you. It's been a while for newer listeners out there. We have a show with Jason back in our archives that is actually a favorite of ours and one that we recommend to folks because uh, we frequently get asked the question, is Disney Cruise Line worth it or should I be sailing on another cruise? And we (laughs) tackled that question with Jason, who is a real expert, maybe to give folks a sense of why, Jason, do you want to give folks your abbreviated cruising background and Disney, Disney background? Yeah. So the abbreviated one I would say is I've been cruising since before I was two years old. I just took my 154th cruise overall. Uh, I've made uh, a life of uh, growing up on cruises out of it as well as now a living out of it. And it's just been a blast every step of the way. Uh, Disney, of course, is one of my favorites. I've been on about over a dozen or so now of those and just grew up with Disney living in California, going to Disneyland all the time. And, uh, I love all things cruising and all things Disney. So the two just overlap perfectly right there. Yeah. And, and remind us, you've been, I know you've been on all four Disney ships, but how many Disney cruise line cruises have you done? Yeah, that's about a dozen plus. I, don't, I forget the exact number, but yeah, it's definitely over 12. Yeah. Wow. With over 150 cruises, you didn't even make super platinum booking for the wish, huh? Right. I know. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Yeah, that uh, ship looks well, great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as a preview for folks, we're going to have a bonus episode we'll record with Jason around the Disney wish. But tonight we are excited because Jason just got back from doing what I think many people three or four months ago would have said was impossible. And that is cruising in Alaska. And so yeah. we wanted to talk to Jason about his experience cruising in Alaska. Jason, you want to tell folks, how did you manage to get on a cruise in Alaska? What, uh, what cruise line were you with and uh, what made you want to go up there? Yeah. So currently the CDC is still saying no for the larger ships, but the ones that are uh, under 250 passengers and are actually registered in the United States are exempt from that and they can actually still operate. So one of those is Uncruise Adventures. And I've had a chance to sail with them before in Alaska and actually on the same ship, it's the SS Legacy, which is soon going to be called the Safari Legacy next season, just so you know, if you're looking for it. And it was just a blast to be up there in Alaska again. This is my first cruise back in 16 months that it's been that I hadn't been on a cruise, uh, which is the longest duration I've gone my entire life without having been on a ship. So it was very nice, quite the refreshing uh, return. I loved it. 
out of curiosity, Jason, what was your last cruise? What was the cruise that you had before everything shut down? My last cruise was another expedition uh, style on Limblad expeditions with National Geographic Venture. It was actually to Sea of Cortez. So that was the last one. So I went from a small ship to a year off to another small ship, hoping to gear up to the larger ones again, too. Yeah. So yeah, we had John Roberts on not too long ago talking about small ship cruising. And I know he was a fan of on cruises. I think he was on board with you this time, right? He was. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a photo of him uh, mid, you know, like a jump midair uh, shot of him uh, doing the polar plunge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah, that's, saw that's that John. picture on uh-huh. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that was him. That is him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. Cool. Nice. Nice. Let's talk about, you've taken a small ship cruise before. Was there anything unique this time around about uncruises in light of everything going on in COVID or did it feel like return to normal? Yeah. So I actually had been on this ship, uh, actually the same itinerary um, out of Alaska before. It was probably, actually probably the year just before the pandemic, I think that I first went on this one in Alaska. And the the main difference was basically being up there without all the large ships, which is very uh, unusual this time of year. So it was a trip that basically started in Juneau and went to Sitka, both ports that you would ordinarily have at least one ship, if not up to like four in port. And it was just a ghost town. So I actually took a photo of the pier that would ordinarily just be full of ships and it's just completely empty right now. It's really weird. Um, But in a way, it was also still very refreshing to be up there on a ship that is operating. And one thing that's great about Uncruise, I have to say they did a great job, is that everything was vaccinated. Everybody was, the passengers had to be vaccinated, the crew had to be vaccinated. And the sailing just before ours, they said, based on, you know, the new CDC recommendations, we're not even requiring masks. We believe we're in a very safe bubble here. So it was really a vacation, not only from the pandemic overall, but from masks as well. So it was just great. You could be up there, take a nice breath of fresh, crisp Alaskan air, and it was just the best. How did they have you prove the vaccination, Jason? Was it just uh, show them a vaccine card or what, what did yeah. you have to do there? Yeah, we showed them the vaccine card at the beginning when we checked in. Um, and then they also just as an extra layer of safety, they wanted us to have um, a COVID test, a PCR COVID test taken before leaving. Uh, I think that was about a 72 hour window that they, they let, us, let us do that in. So we were very, very safe, very confident. And uh, they just did a top notch. And what ports did you stop in for the cruise? So that's the thing that's a bit more unusual about these smaller ships is that you don't really go to ports like you would on a larger ship if you're going to like Skagway or Ketchikan. So while Sitka and Juneau acted as our embarkation and disembarkation, we basically, uh, you go to different bays and different inlets and you anchor and your excursions are basically right off the ship. So rather than docking, let's say if you have a kayaking excursion on a larger ship, the normal situation would be you know, you dock, you get off the ship, you get onto a bus, then maybe you go to another marina, get on a smaller ship, and then get on the kayak. In this case, you're already on that smaller ship. You basically put on your, you know, your, your weather gear and you go outside and you load into a kayak immediately off the stern and you are there in the heart of Alaska immediately. It's just the best way to go for adventure travelers. So no like, no like going ashore for a restaurant or a bar or shopping or anything like that. This is really truly on the ship doing sort of physical excursion kind of activities, which makes sense too, I, I guess, if I'm right there, because you would maintain the bubble as well. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's more of what I would call an expedition cruise. Um, and, it's, and I would actually describe it as more for adventure travelers than, for your tra- than your traditional cruise traveler. So these are, these are mostly active people, people who like to hike, who like to kayak, who like to do outdoorsy stuff, I take it then, when, when you say adventure travelers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And to speak a little bit more about the itinerary, 
you know, you're going to some places that are familiar to the larger ships. Like we actually spent two days in Glacier Bay and we were anchored in Glacier Bay where you normally would just be in there for a couple hours on a larger ship. We had the opportunity to um, actually kayak off the ship again in front of a glacier, uh, which is just spectacular being on that, you know, the water level there and just seeing these massive, you know, features of the ice in front of you and the, the little icebergs and they call them boogie bits when they're really small. <laughs> So that was a lot of fun. And, you know, it's even on the last time I was on, uh, when the larger ships were still sailing, you know, you'd look off in the distance and, you know, Holland America Line, Zyderdam, you know, a large ship will be going by and it's like, oh, you know, they can't even get off the ship, but we're here literally in a kayak where this large ship is going by. So it's the, the, the uh, juxtaposition is pretty spectacular. Well, um, I'm curious. So how many people were on board with you? So, yeah. So the SS Legacy, uh, which will be called the Safari Legacy, is an 86 guest ship. And uh, on ours, they did limit it just a little bit to be on the safe side in case they needed anything uh, for social distancing, even though we didn't need that with the bubble. Uh, and there were only about uh, 60 plus passengers that were on our particular sailing. So it was it, it was pretty nice. It was a really good uh, and there's always a great crew to uh, or the staff to guest ratio as well. So that you always have a lot of attention. Did you say 60, 60? Yeah, 60. That's it was 61 or 63. I think that were actually on our sailing. Oh, wow. That's a lot more than I would have guessed. Um, how did it feel on board? Did it feel pretty like normal or did it feel like there was a lot of space, extra space? Um, it honestly felt pretty normal. You know, I, last time I think I was on it, it was probably about the same complement of people. So it felt just like a regular cruise, honestly, just at least on this ship. You know, it's it's definitely not the the big boys that are out there. Uh, it's definitely a much smaller, intimate experience. And uh, it's really a cool ship, actually. So it's an adventure product, but on board, it has kind of an Edwardian kind of titanic-esque vibe to it which is kind of neat it's actually modeled after a, a steamship like uh, steamships that would actually be in, been up there in alaska back in the days of like the gold rush and stuff so it's kind of cool to be in that kind of an environment and then getting off going out of the shore and i should say too when you go ashore it's not just kayaking they actually have zodiacs as well so they do have landing so even though you're not in a port per se or at a dock you'll take the zodiac out get us on a shore do hiking and then uh do every other activities from there. So it's really cool. You you were under a hundred passengers. I'm trying to remember, did were you able to then sail in Canadian waters as well? Did you were you able to go up the inside passage and, and do that sort of thing? Or was this all just in US waters? Yeah, this is all in US waters. This particular ship is actually registered to the US, so they don't have to uh, follow what's normally the Passenger Vessels Services Act, um, which is what you've probably heard about in the news recently that's gotten the exemption for this season because Canada at this point is saying no to all cruise ships. So we didn't have to stop at Canada at all. It was exclusively uh, in Alaska. Interesting. Well, and so you sort of describe the ship for us a little bit, Jason, but what, what kinds of amenities would people expect to find on board a sailing like this? So it is a smaller ship overall. Um, the rooms are smaller as well, but they're still very comfortable. I would call them a little bit more on the utilitarian side, but still very comfortable. Like I said, has a bit more of the Edwardian touches in there, just more of a handsome aesthetic. Uh, the bathrooms are a little bit more utilitarian as, as well, more of a residential shower, I would say, uh, a nice pedestal lab and some tile on the floor, but kind of more of a basic toilet. And it's just basically it's everything you need. While it is kind of a more expensive product, I would say the thing about it is it's it's kind of approaching more of a premium luxury price point, but you're not getting necessarily the luxury of amenities. You're getting the luxury of experience on a ship like this. And that's really important to know. It's It's more for people... Not that go on luxury cruises, but for people that are more maybe like the backpacker type that are literally looking for the best way to get into the heart of Alaska 
um, and still have a fantastic onboard experience. Like I said, it's very comfortable. Their mattresses, I think, are really great. I, you know, I always got a great sleep on board. And the food is honestly <laughs> spectacular. Like you, you get fresh seafood, it's like the best. So food, you know, activity wise is great. And then the past, I'm sorry, and also the, the crew are also just super friendly and attentive. They're the best. In terms of activities, what, what kinds of things are the excursions just included? If you want to head out on a kayak, you just sort of hop on board or, or are there things that you have to pay for to do on board? Yeah. And that's actually a really good point because um, within the price point, you're getting all of that included. You're getting all your drinks included, all your food included. Uh, it essentially is an all-inclusive product and that does extend to the excursions. So it basically... Within a day, uh, you have activities that range from uh, having just a morning activity or an afternoon activity or an all-day activity. All of that is included. So you might, let's say, go kayaking in the morning, go hiking in the afternoon, or you might opt to do uh, an all-day thing, which is basically you get off the ship in a kayak, you go to a place where you would go just do some hiking. You might even do some bushwhacking more extensively, have lunch, kayak back to the ship. So you can basically be as relaxed or as active as you want. Stay on board even if you want, because they have uh, two jacuzzis, which is the best way to be out on deck, you know, snowing outside <laughs> and you're just there in the, the hot water. I love it. So, yeah, it's just it's for everybody. Do they have multiple excursions that you can choose from each day or or is it, um, you know, just one or two choices? Yeah, there's multiple. So that's the thing that's nice is that if you are the kind of person that just wants to not even be active at all, but you still want to get the scenery, you can have the option of going out on a Zodiac and getting just like a scenic cruise of the area not even getting ashore, not even hiking if you want, or you can go to the most extreme, which what I would say is be the bushwhacking, which is you're literally out there, you know, like you almost need a machete kind of thing, right? But it's just the more adventurous type. So it's really, it's, it's great. They always offer a range, a mix of uh, kayaking, hiking, bushwhacking, uh, scenic cruising. And the thing that's really cool about this ship is they have uh, what they call the sea dragon. The ship wasn't originally designed for adventure activities. So they actually pull behind the ship a large steel zodiac and that actually has a ballast system that can actually lower itself into the water a little bit they have three different slots that they can take kayaks to and actually you load it up there with a flat platform and then they actually slide you off the back so you can get into the kayak without you know worrying about you know the water you know sloshing around you and that kind of thing and that's also what they use as a platform to load the zodiacs so it's this really unique side vessel that they tow behind the ship that provides all of this access. Oh, yeah, I can see on the website, it's, they've got a picture of the ship up and you can kind of see off the back, it, it's hauling, uh, what looks to be like almost like a flat, wide bottom platform, you know, with an outboard motor. That's, that's yeah, pretty cool. It's a hybrid yeah. and it actually does act as a vessel itself. So if they need to, they can take it elsewhere. That's cool. So what were some of the activities that you did, Jason, on the cruise? What, what, what stood out for you? Yeah, so we did the the kayaking for sure in front of the glacier, I would say, is the highlight. There's just something about seeing that scale from the waterline. It just puts you in a different spot entirely. I mean, you know, you just feel really small compared to the size of this glacier. And, and it was pretty cool because that same morning we were at a different glacier and we got to see it calving. And it's just that's like one of the coolest sights ever is being to see this thing that's essentially, you know, 10 stories tall just collapsing. It's like watching a building implode, but it's natural ice. It's really incredible. That is cool. That is cool. What about, what about any sort of land-based stuff that you did? Or did you get to go up on a glacier yeah. or anything like that? Yeah. So we also did um, some of the hiking. I'm sorry, some of the hiking that we did uh, was actually to like, uh, they had an unusually low tide one morning. We had a chance to go out and do some sort of sightseeing around the tide pools and see some of the different creatures that are out there, like the uh, sea cucumbers 
and uh, starfish and all these kinds of things, even sea anemones that were out there. It was really, really cool. So you get out there, you see that. We saw a lot of uh, whale activity from the ship. I did not personally see a bear on this trip, but uh, many other people did. And that's pretty cool to see. Did you see Nemo? We, <laughs> I did not find Nemo this time. Yeah, it's oh. still on my to-do list. Yeah. Oh, bummer. <laughs> Do, do they bring naturalists and folks on, Jason? To, 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 I mean, more expedition cruising, I would figure you'd have a crowd of folks who were interested in some of that science and detail and, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, do they bring folks on? Yeah, definitely. So they actually have an expedition team uh, with an expedition leader and uh, different expedition members that are actually the ones hosting you on all the activities. And on board, they do lectures and that kind of thing, too. And then when you're actually out there, they act as naturalists and describe everything you're seeing and point everything out. So it's really cool. That's cool. Is it like a every day there's like a little presentation before for the next day or how does that work? Yeah. So every day they do kind of a happy hour where they actually describe what the next day's activities are going to be. Then they come around to each of you individually and say, you know, what, what is it you like to do? We'll sign you up and then schedule you. So, you know, for sure, like uh, what time you're going to be heading out the next day. So it's really well done. And what are the days like? Because I my sense is on the large ships, Alaska, the day starts pretty early and can even run pretty pretty late. Is it really a active all day kind of experience or did you find yourself with some good, decent downtime? Yeah, you can definitely fill the day because I mean, there's so much more sunlight up there in the summertime too. So, you know, we would start the day like at say seven o'clock, we would go down for breakfast and then start activities around 830 to nine. And then, uh, you know, like I said, do maybe kayaking in the morning, have lunch back on board, then go ashore, do a hike, come back and, you know, even come six, seven, eight o'clock at night, the sun's still out. You know, that's pretty cool. I was going to say you could with that much activity, you could probably eat a lot too. <laughs> yeah, well, you need the activity to, to offset the calories, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, I, well, we had to get there at some point, so let's talk. You already mentioned the food is amazing, but like, I what, always, what, that's what I want to talk about. Always, right? Food. <laughs> yeah. What What should folks expect in terms of the uh, you know comparing the the food between the experience you were having and you know what they would typically see on maybe one of the larger ships? Yeah. So that is one of the bigger differences is you're not going to have, obviously, the selection that you would have on a larger ship. They're not doing really buffets right now, although they do occasionally have like snacks and that kind of thing out. Um, but everything is full service. They offer um, a lot of seafood dishes, but they also always offer, you know, like a chicken or a beef option as well if fish isn't your, to your liking. But uh, breakfast has always been great on board. I don't know where Uncruz gets their bacon from, but it's like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's just like the best bacon I've ever had. So definitely get up in the mornings. It's a really like thick cut bacon. <laughs> it's really tasty. They always had like a special of the day, whether it be like, there was always an omelet and a special. So you might have like a biscuits and gravy special and an omelet of the day with different ingredients. Then come lunchtime, you would have like a super salad and maybe a sandwich or even um, uh, there was a burger day where they actually did kind of like a smash burger style. And that had the bacon on it, too. I asked for the bacon. That wasn't part of it. Until I asked for it. <laughs> so that was tasty. And then dinner, uh, you know, they, they definitely like to uh, showcase the seafood as they should because it was just fantastic. You great, great salmon, halibut. Uh, we even had a, a night of crab, which was spectacular. And seconds and thirds, if you wanted to keep them bringing it out to you. So we were very well fed. Were they catching any of this stuff off the ship? I'm curious. I mean, you're in Alaska waters. So if you wanted some salmon or some halibut. Yeah. Yeah. That actually is one thing that I, I, they don't actually do fishing off the ship. I, 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 I wonder why, actually. That would actually be one activity I think that they probably could consider adding. I would enjoy that, but they don't. They bring it all on ahead of time. Interesting. Interesting. Is it free seating dining and, you know, everyone eats at the same time? Like, like how does that work on these smaller ships? Yeah. So that's the thing that's great about it. It's a very social experience and that you can just, it's basically essentially open seating. You just come in and 
whoever you want to sit with, you just go ahead and pop down and they have it ready to go. So yeah, it's it's definitely a great um, camaraderie that you have with fellow passengers and with the crew and everybody's just super friendly. And you have people really um, of all ages, it skews a little older, but it's amazing. You know, you'll have people in their 60s, 70s, even you know 80s and 90s. And these people can, you know, walk circles around some of the younger folks because they're active. I'll tell you, they don't uh, they don't mess around. <laughs> so did you do the polar plunge? You mentioned John, you had a photo of John doing it. Did you did yeah. you give it a shot? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't this time, but I have done it uh, on a previous sailing. I was also on their safari endeavor ship uh, several years ago and I did do it and it is very cold. Uh, <laughs> I, I would like describe it, it as exhilarating. <laughs> it wakes you up. But yeah, it's it's like a uh, it's a rite of passage, right? You got to do it once. It's 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 fun. It's refreshing. It wakes you up. And then never, and then never again, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I could do it. I, I, I jumped off the back of a small boat into, um, not Crater Lake. What was uh, oh, Lake Tahoe? I jumped off of the back of a small boat into Lake Tahoe one time, and it just uh, sucked every bit of the wind out. You know, scrambling <laughs> yeah. to get back on board. Oh yeah, it takes your breath away for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What, what kind of, um, you, you, we, we talked about the naturalists a little bit, but. What kind of entertainment do you have on board? I mean, obviously, they're not going to be putting on a Broadway show a la Disney, but, you know, are there activities that you can do during the day, even, you know, just play games with fellow passengers or something like what do you do to pass the time? Yeah. So most of it, I would say 90 percent of it predominantly is all ashore. Um, But they do have a a library of books and a library of uh, DVDs that are on board. So you can actually take those back and they have, uh, you know, TVs inside the room that have a built in DVD player. You can watch those at. But really nothing in the way of performances, I would say. It's really about the naturalists giving presentations uh, and more of the, the shore side focus. And and what are the, for the staterooms, I know we talked about it, but how many people can fit in a stateroom, let's say, reasonably? I mean, what are they? I understand these are not really family focused cruises, but is it are the staterooms really intended for two people um, or so what's the setup there? Yeah, no, they definitely uh, accommodate two people uh, comfortably. The way our room was configured, you had a twin bed on either side of the room and then kind of a central path to the bathroom. So if you're with a couple, you know, you have, you know, his and hers beds, essentially. Uh, they do also have some that are queen beds um, as well, if you want that option. But yeah, it's comfortable for two. And actually, the ship is really good for kids, believe it or not, because let's say if you're going multiple generations and you wanted to have grandparents, parents, and then the children along, that actually is a really good way to experience Alaska because they can all be active at their various levels and go out uh, and explore and then all come back together and reminisce about the day's activities. So it's actually great for families. I wouldn't have expected that, Jason. I I, I imagine still not very young kids because you still need to be able to do some of the activities. But mm-hmm. I believe they limit it at eight. I think you have to be at least eight years old to be on board. Because any, anything below that, it's, it would just kind of be, I think, boring for them. Well, and right right now, right, they're enforcing a vaccination requirement. So you'd have to be at least over the right. age of, what, 12 yep. these days. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, so, Jason, I guess, who would you recommend this kind of cruising to? Is there a profile of cruiser you'd say, definitely give this a shot versus a profile of cruiser you would say, eh, you might want to stick to the large ships? I would definitely say this is for the expedition cruise traveler, if you've done that kind of thing before. I would say uh, for the price point, don't expect anything in the way of, uh, you know, Silver Sea or Seaborn or anything like that. But like I said, it's it's really it's it's a luxury of a different kind, right? It's, it's the luxury of experience. It's a luxury of the activities. It's a luxury of all that being included and being super convenient off of the ship immediately uh, and not having to go through all the rigmarole of going, you know, through a bus to get just to another vessel to go out kayaking. You know, it's just so nice, relaxing, but also active, obviously. 
it's definitely for more of the adventure traveler, I would say, than your traditional cruise traveler. But by all means, if you've been on a larger ship and you want something that's more of a, I mean, they call it uncruise for a reason, right? Like it's, it's sort of the antithesis of a cruise. It's not your crowded, sometimes crowded, not always, but you know, sometimes larger ships are a little more, you know, inundated with people. It's the buffet, it's the, the lineup of people. Um, on here, it's just really relaxed and just quiet too. Like it was just amazing. Like you'll be out there on a kayak and you just listen and there's nothing like it's just you and nature. Like these are the kind of things that you don't ordinarily get on a cruise. And that's really what this ship is all about. It, it seems like the expedition cruising market is starting to fracture a little bit in terms of you've got these uncruise cruise lines, right? That are a little bit more, I'll just call it rustic, right? In nature, which is not a bad thing by any means. And, and I, th- I agree with you, it can provide some interesting opportunities. Also feels like there's now a trend towards some luxury and expedition cruising. I'm curious, have you tried any of those or, or, or seen any of that recently? Yeah, I haven't. Actually, we were discussing that a bit on board because yeah, I would say, yeah, Rustic is, a, is an accurate description, but it's about just that adventure, but with less passengers. So the, really the difference now is you're having new builds come out that are built specifically for luxury expedition cruising, like you were saying, like Seaborn is one of them. Uh, Seaborn um, Adventure is coming out next year, and that's going to be doing like the polar runs and that kind of thing in Antarctica and then even up to Norway. But uh, I have actually been on uh, Silver Sea Expeditions, which is kind of where things have been up to this point, which is they took l- older vessels and kind of converted them for more of uh, luxury travel. Nowadays, they're actually purpose build- purposely building them for this uh, this new market. Uh, but much of these ships are more in the hundreds of passengers. So it's more of a challenge to get people ashore. They can do it. They have all the toys. They have the Zodiacs, the kayaks and things. But it's going to be uh, not the convenience level that you would have on a ship like this, where it's only, like I said, 60 plus people. And, you know, you're getting maybe, you know, eight people in a Zodiac, 10 people in a Zodiac at a time. And that's like maybe one of like, you know, a handful of excursions for the day. Like, it's just a whole different animal. Well, and I'm curious what your thoughts are. I mean, Disney, not Cruise Line, but Adventures by Disney is now pushing into the expedition cruising space with um, the Galapagos and Antarctica. Any reactions to the way that they're doing it? It looks like the Galapagos cruises might be on a different line than the ones they're using for Antarctica, if I'm remembering correctly. But I, I don't know if you have any yeah, thoughts I, about Yeah, I believe it. they're partnering with Ponant for Antarctica. And I forget the, the, the line for Galapagos, but it's an independent operator. Yeah, I think that's fantastic that they're doing that because it's kind of an extension. They did the Adventure by Disney River Cruising, and now this is sort of the Adventure by Disney Expedition Cruising. So I think it's just a natural fit for them. And it's, it's exciting to see what they're going to do with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how long they do it on their own, if this is like testing the waters to have purpose-built ships or if it's just something that can continue to contract on their own. Yeah. Yeah, I wondered that for river cruising, too, if they were ever going to start like a Disney River Cruise Line and they still are partnering with Amma Waterways. So. Yeah, I think they have good partnerships with uh, different vendors and they like to keep that relationship. It, it sounds like you would say you got the value out of the cost of this cruise. I mean, so much is included. The experience is one that you can't get on what I'll call a cheaper <laughs> expedition ship, right? And so it sounds like you would come down on the side of you did get value for the cost. Absolutely. That's the thing. Like, I mean, you look at the sticker price and it's, you know, my sticker shop, but it's, you're getting so much more. Like, if, let's just say you do a week cruise on Celebrity or Hall in America. And I love those. I've been to Alaska uh, actually about two dozen times, honestly, in my lifetime. And I've been on the larger ships. I've been on the smaller ships. And just the amount of activities that you can fit in within a week on Uncruise versus that you could possibly do on a larger ship is just phenomenal. You're going to get so much more. You might be able to do one excursion 
um, if you're lucky, of the kind that you can do two or more on uh, SS Legacy on Uncruise. So it's really, uh, you definitely get your bang for your buck. So I want to talk about what's included and what's not included. Is alcohol included? I mean, yeah. obviously food's included and it sounds like the all the excursions are included, but um, are they are they an alcohol included? They are. So it's fully uh, all-inclusive. You get all the alcohol included. You can. They have an open bar, even just different beers that they have, like Alaskan Brewing Company they have on tap, which is fantastic. That's, that's my favorite beer, even in San Diego. That's what we have in our refrigerator. So highly <laughs> recommended. If you haven't, if you want a taste of Alaska, Alaskan Brewing Company, there's my plug. So, <laughs> and he's uh, not getting yeah. paid for that. I'm not. I'm just a huge <laughs> fan. I really am. And uh, yeah, so drinks are included. Really, the only thing uh, you have to pay for is uh, tips uh, at the end of the cruise gratuities. And uh, they have like a little store of uh, options that you can buy, you know, just different uh, jackets and hats and that kind of thing. But everything else entirely included. Do you have more access around the ship? You know, I mean, I can't even imagine in the current day and age getting aboard the bridge of a large cruise liner. I mean, I've heard of people obviously who have and a few people who've even gotten to honk the horn on a Disney ship because they've been on so many sailings, you know, and whatnot. but do you get any <laughs> right. more access to the, to the ship and the crew by virtue of it being a smaller ship? Yeah, you definitely do. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the cool things is they have an open bridge policy. So uh, with the exception of, um, you know, navigating tighter passages when they have to just be a little bit more uh, careful and cautious where they would close the bridge. Most of the time it's open. You can go up there. There's even like a little seating area. You can just kind of kick back and relax. And it's a cool bridge too. It's like this 180 degree kind of wraparound bridge. It's actually not unlike uh, the Disney Wonder and Disney uh, Magic where it has a bit more of that curve to it. But you can actually just go up there, talk with the captain and be on the lookout for, like I said, whales. And that's that's the other thing too. So it's not so much the planned activities on Uncruz, it's the unplanned activities. If you're on a ship that's a larger one that has to go from, let's say, Juneau to Ketchikan and has to be there at X time, if you see a whale uh, passing by, they're not going to stop for it. Uncruise, they plan for the unexpected. So if they see a whale and it's right off the bow, they're going to stop for it. And they're going to be there for you know a good hour just watching whatever that whale is doing so you can get it you know, photographed and videoed and everything. So that is probably the one activity that I would say that's sort of like just built in to the package is just what you can see off of the ship itself without even being in a Zodiac or a kayak. That's amazing. Did you get a sense from your fellow travelers and the crew, you know, what their sentiment is right now around cruising? I mean, obviously everyone there was excited about it, I'm sure. But you know, what was the discussion on board around cruising and the return to cruising? You know, it's interesting. We, we talked about it briefly at the beginning because it's always, you know, top of mind right now. But it was amazing how quickly we stopped talking about the pandemic and just started enjoying where we were and taking advantage of the experience that we had at our disposal. It's, it really just was a, a refreshing break from everything. And it wasn't, you know, talking about what's happening so much in the world as it is what's happening here in Alaska at the moment. So it was really just a beautiful experience. Do you find that the folks who are on in that, at least in that initial discussion, did you find that the folks who are on this uh, ship with you, that they were all just expedition cruisers? Or would you say that they do, you know, larger ship cruises or river cruises? I, I'm, I'm interested to know whether or not, I mean, I know you are someone who who um, traverses all of the areas of cruising from small ship to expedition, you know, to large ship. But what would you say about the other passengers? Yeah, that's a great question, actually, because I would say there was a mix. There are definitely some people that had been on the larger ships and were interested in trying this as kind of a, an alternative. But there were plenty of people that were like, you know, I would, would never go on a larger ship. And they just really wanted to experience Alaska um, at its core. 
And uh, this is about the largest ship that they would ever want to do that on. And that's why they chose Uncruise. And a lot of them kind of, it sounds like they stumble upon the brand more than they find it searching for anything in particular. It's not like you have people that are looking up cruise travel or they're looking at, you know, brands like Carnival, Disney, what have you, and then stumble upon this. It's more people that are like searching for adventure travel, um, you know, like backpackers and that kind of thing. But then having the opportunity with the benefits of cruising and being able to unpack once, you know, you're on board for a week. It's just the convenience and then you're not backpacking, obviously. It's just there. It's super convenient. It's super adventurous. And it's it's for those people. Did, did you get any sense being up in Alaska and on the cruise, what the the impact has been like for some of those ports or, or the community around, the, you know, without the cruises sailing up there? Yeah, I've been tracking that over the past year. And, you know, the, the last year was just devastating because they had no cruise activity whatsoever. And even this line, Uncruise, had uh, tried to operate last year, did everything right. They did testing and everything. And unfortunately, they did have a positive test and it turned out it was a false positive. But that was enough for them to just from that point on shut down for the rest of the season. So, you know, kudos to them for trying. Unfortunately, this was pre-vaccine that they didn't have the means to continue beyond that until this season. And even now, like, so this is a ship, you know, that like has 60 passengers on it when you normally have thousands upon thousands of people in Alaska and in these towns, and they rely on that tourism. And it's sad to see uh, places that I've grown to consider, you know, homes away from home over the years really suffer for not having this kind of activity, like seeing Juneau, which is, you know, obviously the capital of Alaska in almost as a ghost town. It was like really sad to see. So I'm glad to see that the larger ships are, you know, looking like there's a path now for them to come back to Alaska for a partial season. And I'm glad because a lot of the stories that I went into, you know, yeah, they really have been hurting and they really need this, this income to survive. So, you know, just so grateful that uh, the support and the, you know, the tourism is coming back for them. Did, did you get a sense from the crew? Are they, are they pretty full with their sailings or are people really coming to Uncruise to fulfill that need for an Alaska cruise right now? Yeah. In fact, Uncruise was running a special um, where it was a discounted cost to be on their ship if you happen to be on one of the larger ships that was canceled for the season. And now, now they are starting to come back, but had it that been one of the earlier cancellations, that was an option. So I think there was some people that took advantage of that, maybe not as many um, as we thought initially. What an awesome promotion for them to to do to really try and satisfy folks who really want to go to Alaska. And obviously their, you know, their large ship cruise got canceled. Now, you know, it, they might not be the kind of person who wants to do an uncruise cruise, but there's probably, like we said, there's some crossover. There are people like you, Jason, who want to do both. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like if you've done that before and you want to try something different, um, you know, more power to you. Try something new and you know, you're, you're, if you've been to Alaska before and you want like a deeper dive, I would say this is the way to go. And, you know, for this season, I, I do know that um, the initial sailings were a little lighter, but through the end of the season, uh, things are definitely picking back up and they are definitely getting uh, heavier bookings because uh, I think people are realizing like, yeah, I want to get out there while no other large ships are there. <laughs> and this is really a unique experience to see Alaska without uh, it overrun with people. Did you see any other other small ship operators that were uh, uh, sailing up there, Jason? So there are uh, several other ones coming back. Uh, Uncruise was the first to get started. They had several sailings on another vessel that started out um, prior to ours. Um, But there are other ones up there are going to be like Alaskan Dream Cruises and Lindblad, which was the cruise that I took before the pandemic. They're going to be operating up there as well, but uh, they have yet to start. 
So I think they're starting actually this month. Well, I got to ask one last question, Jason, which is, do you have anything else booked for this year that you're expecting will actually happen? Large ships coming back potentially to Seattle or at least saying that they are and lots of wrangling over on the uh, on the East Coast in Florida around sailing out of uh, Miami and Port Canaveral and some other spots. But do you have anything booked for this year that you actually think is going to happen? Yeah, there's a lot in flux this year for sure, right? But uh, yeah, I do actually. So the next, I have another one uh, in two weeks. I'm going to be on Windstar Cruises, the Star Breeze. It's one of their um, motor yachts that they recently stretched. They actually cut it in two, believe it or not. And I actually had a chance to go to the shipyard and see this. They cut it into like a limousine, basically. Pull it apart, put a prefabricated middle section in it, and then they weld it back together and put it out to sea again. <laughs> so I'm going to be on that one in two weeks. So that's pretty cool to have seen the entire process of that particular ship and have a chance to sail on it. How many passengers for that one? Uh, I believe that's somewhere around 300 to 400. And is that is that like a sailing vessel or is it a, a motor vessel? So Windstar has the sailing vessels, but they actually took over the three um, older ships that Seaborn used to operate. And uh, those are the ones that they have as their motor yachts. And those are the ones that they've since stretched. So those were supposed to launch last year and they're launching this year now. And any large ship cruises booked for you, Jason, or are you holding off? Yeah, I'm still holding out. I haven't quite uh, hammered anything out yet, but it looks like there's so many new ships that were supposed to have come out last year that are coming out this year. Uh, just yesterday, in fact, uh, at Port Canaveral, they uh, welcomed the new Carnival Cruise Line Mardi Gras, as well as Royal Caribbean's Odyssey of the Seas. So those are actually here earlier than expected. The Odyssey of the Seas was supposed to have a season in Israel. But uh, with the unrest there, they had to bring it over. And the Mardi Gras um, looks like it might be starting sooner than later. It's not scheduled until November, actually, but I, I suspect that's coming back sooner. So once that's all locked in, I'm hoping to get on those for sure. Yeah. Well, it will be a good day when we can get back on board a vessel Absolutely. of any size that we want, <laughs> we yeah, want for yeah. sure. So It's finally happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope the trend continues for sure. What about you guys? What's the next thing you have booked? We have a double dip cruise to Castaway Key booked on the Disney's the Fantasy, Sam? Are we on the Fantasy for that one? We're on the Fantasy. Yeah, it's the over Thanksgiving. So it's a it's so it's a Christmas. It's a uh what it's a very merry time, very merry double time. dip over That's Thanksgiving. It, yeah. Yeah. Have yeah, so you been on during that time before? We have not. We have never oh, sailed fun. in a very You'll merry enjoy time. It. Yeah. And it um it goes to Nassau and Castaway Key, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Nassau is a sea day for us. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's a good day, good day to enjoy the ship, right? Yeah. 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 But yeah, I think we've got six cruises by my last count booked with Disney between now and next September and then a river cruise for next Christmas. So I'm hoping that November is far enough out that we will actually see that cruise happen. But um, who knows these days? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to happen. Fingers crossed, you know? Yeah. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. And we're headed to Disneyland in a couple of weeks. And oh, we're that's headed, right. And we're headed to Aulani uh, in oh, nice. mid-summer. So Love Aulani. We have, not, we have not been yet, so we're very excited. Oh, yeah. That was where I honeymooned. It was so great. <laughs> oh, Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to try out the Lazy River. We haven't had a Lazy River oh, in a while. That. That's yeah. a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, we loved having you come on to talk about your Alaska cruise, but I'm going to throw it over to Sam for her favorite part of our show, which is rapid fire. I think she's got a small cruising rapid fire set up for you. So, Sam, take it away. I do. So, Wonderful. Jason, if you remember mm -hmm. from the last time you were on our show, we did a Disney Cruise Line focused rapid fire mm -hmm. with you. So, I don't want to repeat that and ask if you got something new. I want to <laughs> ask you. About small ship cruising. Perfect. So, um, so this is completely not Disney related. Okay. So this is a really important question. Small mm -hmm. ship versus large ship. 
Ooh, that's the question I always get is, what is your favorite cruise ship of all the ones I've been on? <laughs> uh, I prefer smaller ships. I'm not going to say, I mean, I, I really do enjoy any cruise I'm on. I've been any, on anything from a 12-passenger tugboat that was converted for passenger service, believe it or not, all the way up to the largest ship in the world, the Symphony of the Seas. And I like all of them. Uh, but I probably skew a little bit more towards the smaller ones myself, just because mm. it's more intimate. Have you have you tried a barge cruise yet, Jason? I'm curious. I have actually. I just took one of those uh, about two or three years ago um, on Quasi Europe in the, the Champagne region of France, and it was that was pretty cool too. I really enjoyed that as well. Okay, this is another really controversial question, but river cruise versus expedition cruise. Those two are probably closer to each other than river and ocean or expedition and ocean because of the scale. Um, I would personally say expedition just because I like the adventure, but I sure do love river because you get the culture of, you know, Europe and the convenience of docking really close to these places. Favorite small ship cruise line. I'm going to say uncruise actually, just because they have so much heart. I just love their crew. It's like a family. I actually, I know the, the owner very pretty well. He's a friend of mine and they just, they're just the best. They're just top notch. It's a family when you're on board. Awesome. Favorite small ship that you've been on? I'm going to say the Legacy here, actually, because it has a lot of character. I really enjoy that Edwardian uh, vibe that it has. It actually does feel like a mini Titanic. Favorite place to visit via small ship? I'm going to say Alaska by any ship, actually, because it's my favorite destination in the world, period. <laughs> oh, awesome. Favorite small ship excursion? So this could be one you've done on any of your small ship journeys. I would say kayaking in front of the glacier is yeah. definitely cool. Favorite thing to do while on board one of these smaller ships? Smaller ship? Oh, okay. Uh, after the polar plunge, hopping right into the jacuzzi. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bucket list ship or cruise line in this small category. Hmm. I There's so many new ships coming out that I'm looking forward to trying uh, all of those from, you know, any for, from Viking who does the river cruises that you're talking about to uh, Silver uh, Sea. Um, as a new ship that's coming out for Galapagos and just all of those. It's just, it's a really exciting time for that particular market to see where it's headed. So now the last question is a bucket list destination on a small ship. They actually do smaller expedition ships to uh, Australia, which I had not been to yet. So one of those would be cool. Like the Kimberly coast. I would do that. Oh, that'd be amazing. Have, have you done Antarctica and the Galapagos yet, Jason? I have not. Those are two that are definitely on my list as well. Yeah. The Ant Antarctica one strikes me as really interesting just from a destination perspective. I mean, the only way you could get there, I mean, the only way you can get to the Galapagos is by a cruise too, but yeah, it'd be really interesting to see. Um, are, are you planning on doing one of those through ABD, ABD you think, or you think you'll go for one of the more established uh, lines that, that do this? Yeah, I'm not sure at this point, but I would definitely try Adventures by Disney for sure. I think it would be interesting to see what their take is on it. I've got one more rapid fire question for you, Jason, which is favorite large ship that's coming out, you know, or should have come out last year or is coming out this year that you can't wait to get on. I would say most uh, anticipating the Mardi Gras. I think it's interesting for Carnival. It's probably the most, I mean, it's the marketing cliche is that they've been saying is that it's not evolutionary, it's revolutionary. <laughs> I, I think for the, the brand, it's actually true though, because it's, it's not just a larger version of what they've done in the past. They're actually changing it up. So I, I would say I'm most looking forward to that one. Until the Disney wish, of course, right? <laughs> yes. Well, we, this year, next year is a whole nother category. Of exactly. Yeah, right, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> and folks out there are going to have to stay tuned to hear Jason's thoughts on the wish in our bonus episode. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, 
Jason, I uh, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us your experiences with this Alaska cruise. You want to tell folks how they can connect with you and your fantastic blog and travels? Yeah. So my brand is Popular Cruising. Uh, you can go to popularcruising.com. That's where all my videos are at or youtube.com slash popularcruising. Awesome. Well, we love it. And uh, I go over there occasionally. That's how I figured out your, uh, your Alaska cruise was happening and reached out. So we love going over there. And Jason has just a ton of knowledge about all of the ships and sailings that he, uh, he shares through there. So it's a great place to go and find out a little bit more about what else is out there besides Disney. For those of you listening to a Disney Cruise Line podcast, I, I will once again advocate, keep yourself apprised of what else is out there in the, in the marketplace. Because as we discussed with Jason on our last episode with him, there are things that Disney does well and things that they could improve. So it's always a good idea to keep yourself uh, apprised of what else is out there. But Jason, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, it's always great having Jason on. Loved hearing about his experiences and his small ship Alaska sailing. And it sounds like he's got a lot more sailings planned, which is fantastic. Highly recommend going over and checking out his blog, popularcruising.com and his vlog. It's just a wealth of knowledge and information. I love checking out his stuff to compare and contrast different cruise lines to Disney Cruise Line. Uh, Jason is a huge Disney Cruise Line fan, but what I appreciate is he's also very willing to talk about the places where Disney just, you know, isn't quite meeting the expectations that we all have for it. So think of a couple of areas myself on occasion, but doesn't diminish my love for the product. So with that, I do have another five star review that I want to read on the air this week. And this week's review comes from DVC Mom 3, who writes Cruise Tacular. I love your podcast. I love all things Disney. I'm so glad I found you. The podcast is fun, chock full of information and honest feedback. Thank you for keeping us excited as we wait for cruising to commence. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, DVC Mom 3. I really appreciate the feedback. We really appreciate your feedback and we appreciate you listening. We're so excited that cruising has started again and we cannot wait to start telling some new stories for some Disney Cruise Line fans out there. So once Disney starts back up, we want to hear from you. We want to have you on the show. We want to tell your stories. We want to hear what life is like aboard Disney Cruise Line again. And I know we're waiting with so much anticipation for our November cruise and just really hoping that it happens without a hitch. So with that, I do want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also leave us those five-star reviews. We love reading them on the air. We love getting your feedback. So head over, leave us those reviews on Apple Podcasts. We really, really appreciate each and every one of them. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. That's youtube.com slash DCL Duo, or you can become a supporter of the show by either heading over to touringplans.com slash travel and requesting a free quote for your next vacation and letting them know we referred you, or by heading to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and picking from one of our many support tiers over there. We do really appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on this show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. (laughs) 